Hey, yo, before we start, I want to say thank you for listening. You guys are a huge part of this podcast, and I couldn't do it without you. That being said, I would greatly appreciate it if you guys rate and subscribe to the podcast. It would be a huge help for me to get more listeners and get this podcast growing even more. Not to mention, it would just mean the world to me to be able to see what you guys think. Okay, enough of that stuff. Remember, rate, subscribe, and enjoy the episode. This is, this is, this is Collected Thoughts with Keyshawn Harper. For many tribes, from Native Americans to Africans, all the way back to ancient Mayans, face paint was no mere decoration. It was the adoption of a mindset. Different designs were painted on according to the occasion. Spiritual leaders, for example, would don a certain design to display their status. In times of war, warriors would paint themselves to symbolize their roles. The Pawnee scouts would paint their faces white to represent the wolf. With this keen sense of smell and trustworthy instincts, wolves were the perfect spiritual animal to call upon when searching for the enemy. And then there was the black paint, the paint that symbolized death and war. After a hard-fought battle, some tribes would paint their faces black while dragging back the spoils of war. The paint used for these preparations was no ordinary paint. Countless prayers would be casted over it during its creation. It was said that putting on this paint symbolized you becoming a new being. You were transforming from your ordinary life of a farmer or just a simple gatherer to something greater. And as I stood as still as possible, sweating, holding a water jug above my head while being screamed at, I wish that I could just paint my face and call upon the spirits too. The fall of 2014 was one of the toughest times in my life. I moved hundreds of miles away, specifically 661.500 miles from my hometown to Atlanta, Georgia. I knew no one and I was joining a police force for one of the most unpredictable cities across the country. Atlanta during this time was a city whose crime rate was skyrocketing. The FBI crime statistic report considered Atlanta to be one of the top 25 capital murders of the U.S. And as a very young, very impressionable, fresh out of undergrad guy, it was my job to help fix it. But to provide any sort of resemblance of authority there, I would have to have it all. The ability to make good decisions, quick, fast, and in a hurry as well as the toughness to defend myself or someone else in case my words weren't enough. But the problem was, I I was neither of those things. If you listen to the episode about how stoicism almost ruined my life, I made a confession that I must proclaim again, even though it's kind of embarrassing. I was a bit of a crybaby as a kid. And although my later years as a teenager wasn't as riddled with tears, it wasn't to say that I was the toughest guy either. In high school, I was the news editor of the school newspaper. And I'm not ashamed of it or anything, but it kind of gives you an idea of how I was. But to be clear, I had some saving qualities. I joined the Kung Fu Club, and I started to lift a little bit, try to get swole. But I would be lying to you if I said that I was one of the most macho guys in the room. Heck, my parents didn't tell me at the time, but when I first announced that I was going to be a cop, they were both a little bit confused as to how I could pull it off. It was all these thoughts that were in my head that scared me during the weeks I waited for Academy to start. As I met my potential classmates, I met former military members, former 
athletes, pro athletes, people who had the entire quote unquote package. A lot of these people were much older than me. They were hardened by life. At 21, I hadn't gone through a sliver of what these people were going through. And I was really afraid of it showing once I was out on the streets. But before that, I had to make it through the police academy. Six months of them tearing you down just to build you back up. It all begins with Hell Day, which is strictly designed to make you quit. It is said that fatigue makes cowards of us all. So naturally, fatigue was the weapon of choice to figure out who really wanted to be there. Hell Day activities consisted of push-ups, sit-ups, jumping jacks, burpees, bear crawls, and being yelled at the whole time. I remember going to bed that night completely exhausted, and the next morning when I woke up, I could hardly even move. For years up until that time in my life, all I wanted to do was to be a cop. I loved the idea of being there for people when they were in dire need. Some sort of superhero coming in at the perfect time to save the day. What they don't show in those movies, though, is the vast amount of effort it takes to get there. Not even a month into the academy, and I could already tell that this was something far different than anything I've done in the past. And that was made extra clear to me during what we call scenario-based training. At different stages of academy, we take the lessons that we learn from in the classroom and put them to practical use outside. During these trainings, current officers would volunteer to act like either a victim or a suspect. We would then reenact possible scenarios that we may face on the field. In this scenario, my partner and I were approaching a possible suspect of a robbery. As we began to speak with the man, you could tell that he was a little antsy. Not very long into the conversation, we discovered that he indeed was the guy we were looking for. So we went in for the arrest. Thinking that we had him under control, I may have let my guard down for a second and ended up with an elbow to the mouth. Which I'm not gonna lie, it kinda, it kinda hurt a bit, but after the training was over, the officer reviewed our performance. He said that my lack of aggression and the overall lack of confidence is what led him to hit me in the face. He felt that not only was I not ready for it, but that he could get away with it. It was at this moment that I knew that the passive version of Kishan wouldn't last long here. I knew I had to be more sure of myself. The instructors were not only testing our ability to learn law or criminal procedure, but also to see how we would react during stress, to see if we could hang if it gets rough. And I was lucky that that training was only training, and that an elbow was all that I got. I think we all come to a point in life where we believe that our current selves aren't enough. Not in the you aren't worthy sense, but more so the current version of you isn't enough. And it's not necessarily a reflection on your abilities, but has more so something to do with the intangible. It's about having that edge. It's about having that will to conjure the belief within yourself. But honestly, for a lot of us, that confidence isn't there. There are times where we aren't naturally the person we believe we have to be in order to fit a situation that we're in, to fit the environment that we're in. So as a remedy to this, we have to channel an attitude, channel an entire being in order to get into that space in our minds. Sometimes we need to put on a mask. We see athletes do this all the time. I mean, we spoke about it in the distortion episode. The ability to flip a switch and become someone else. 
Kobe had the Mamba mentality. In music, Beyonce often channeled her alter ego, Sasha Fierce, into her songs. No matter the craft, there are people who claim that they can put on a different persona when times get rough. And for me, as I was bear crawling through the academy halls for what felt like hours, I decided that I needed to become a new person. I needed to make up a new persona. Looking back on it, I never gave it a name. But whenever things did get tough, and they did, I became a person who enjoyed the pain, believe it or not. During smoke sessions, which is just jargon for when instructors punish the class through painful exercise, I began to challenge them in my head. I somehow wired my brain to believe that I was better than those exercises. They couldn't watch me suffer because I'm not suffering. I wouldn't give them that sort of satisfaction. And at times, I would just cuss them out in my head. As days of the academy went on, the persona I created grew stronger and stronger. Every morning, I would brush my teeth, put on my training uniform, and arm myself with this new identity. And this routine served me well. I became more self-reliant, more confident. While normally a passive and agreeable person by nature, I knew that I had to become more assertive and not so afraid of confrontation if I were to become an officer. I no longer had the luxury to believe that someone else would intervene because I knew I was that someone else. Most of my life had been riddled with issues of self-confidence to the point where I admit it held me back. But that had to go away when I put on the uniform. If not for my own sake, at least for the safety of those around me. By early March of 2015, I found myself in a room full of newly sworn officers, all ready to put our skills to the test during field training. With my newfound ultra ego, I was focused and ready for whatever challenge awaited me. Little did I know that a few weeks after this proud day, I would learn the most important thing about donning a mask, when to take it off. You often hear about the us versus them mentality when it comes to police versus citizens. And although far too many take it to an extreme, some of it is necessary to keep your wits about you. Well, in a perfect world, we would be able to recognize the differences between the friends and the foes around us. But things just aren't clear as day all the time. And perhaps because of this mentality paired with my new focused persona I adopted during Academy, you could say sometimes I was a little tense. The city of Atlanta is divided into six zones. Each zone is almost like an entirely different city. For example, you have Zone 2, which is the upscale area, known as Buckhead. And right next to it, you have Zone 1, formerly known as Bankhead. If it sounds familiar to you and you're not from Atlanta, chances are you heard of it through different songs. Rappers like T.I. and the late Shotty Lowe are just a couple of people who claim that area. When a new officer is in field training in Atlanta, they make a small tour around the city, learning the ropes of each zone until they ultimately are assigned one. It was my time in what would eventually be my area, Zone 4, that taught me one of the most treasured lessons. During my stay in Zone 4, it was definitely a rough area. When I tell people about what it's like, I usually have them look up the music video to 21 Savage's Red Ops. Most of, if not all of that video was filmed on my beat. A beat is an area an officer is assigned to. It's like their home. But far before I was assigned to a beat, I was field trained by a stellar officer for the sake of privacy we'll call Red. Now, Officer Red was a giant. Whenever he walked into a room, people would definitely notice. And if they didn't see him, they would soon hear his big booming voice or laugh. During his years as an officer, Red had seen some stuff. 
car chases, foot chases, fights, and even a shootout or two. And with all that experience comes a certain air about you. He was an officer that often went in first in high priority calls. He was the first person you would want to call when things got a little bit hairy. My time with Red was brief, but honestly, sometimes I was thankful for it. Every day we got into something, from my first vehicle pursuit all the way to a barricaded gunman. I learned a ton from Red. But what I think impacted me the most was during a complaint about a car show. From time to time, different spots in Atlanta had car shows. Huge groups of people who would bring their tricked out cars to show off. It was a glorified block party. And honestly, I'd never been to anything like that before. As we walked around, we even had to turn up our radios in order to hear dispatch because of the loud music and the roaring car engines. While we were there, we even heard of different fights going on, but by the time we got to it, it was usually over. Honestly, I don't remember what my demeanor was like at the time, but I'm willing to bet it was somewhat confrontational because Red put me to the side and asked why I appeared so tense. He said it looked as if, not that I was just ready for a fight, but I was looking for one. And in my mind, that threw me off because I thought that was the point. That's the look I'm literally going for. How is that wrong all of a sudden? And he said that he meant that I was looking oppositional, like I was in a war zone. It was clear to everyone who saw me that I was no nonsense, that I wasn't a part of the community. I was an officer, which ironically enough was a problem for Red. You see, on top of Red being the large and in charge super cop that he was, he was also an Atlanta native. In fact, he grew up in the very neighborhoods we patrolled. There was hardly a time where we can go somewhere unnoticed. People knew him as Red from around here, literally. So yes, he could slug it out with the best of them. And yes, with the moment called for it, he could be as tough as they come. But he also knew when to turn it off. He also knew that he was with them, not against them. He knew how to take off the mask, which is something not a lot of us can say. Every day he clocked into work, he was not only being seen as an officer or an authority figure, he was being seen as Red from around the corner, the guy that they grew up with. Whatever he was before the job could not be hidden by whatever role he played now, which at first seems like an intimidating line to balance on. But the more I thought about it, the more freeing the concept sounded. We put on masks every day of our lives, not only to scare other people, but to hide ourselves. Take me for example, I didn't think that some short, nerdy college grad with glasses was good enough to be a quote unquote crime fighter in Atlanta. So I hid that part of me away. And sometimes when we do things like that, we forget to let our real selves out ever again. What Red saw was the beginning of me not being able to take off the mask. So after seeing that, he told me to just chill out, to relax, to not be so on edge. Yes, there have been fights going on that day, but overall the people there were looking to have a good time. And that good time would easily be thwarted by me, some angry dude with a scowl walking around with a gun on his hip. Looking back on it now, I am so thankful that I was lucky enough to have somebody call me out on that because not all of us are that lucky. We often learn how to put these masks on as a way to get through tough times, to survive, 
But once that period is over, we aren't shown how to take it off. We walk around with it still on for years and years until it becomes part of us. One of my favorite examples of this is Mike Tyson, former world heavyweight champion and aka the baddest man on the planet. Mike had a rough life growing up and was filled with raw anger. A trainer by the name of Constantine Cus D'Amato saw plenty of potential in Tyson and began teaching him how to fuel that anger and use it in the ring. Cus would tell Tyson all the time that he was an animal, that he was a killer. In an interview, Mike even said that, quote, you relax, you go in there and totally focus on blackness, nothing. They tell you, you're going to be a savage, an intellect animal. You're working, you're going to do this. You're going to be a ferocious animal. You're going to fight with both hands to the body. Use your jabs in a ferocious fashion. They sinked it all into me when I was younger. And that is what he became. You would see Tyson in such a trance-like state before fights. He put on his uniform. He became a monster, a killer. He put on his mask. And this unlocked the demon inside of him that he used to win the World Heavyweight Championship. But the issue was, Cus died before he could show Mike Tyson how to get rid of those demons. And his death led Tyson to have to fight them alone. Mike mentions that it took a long time, a very long time for him to learn how to balance out. In fact, for a while, he didn't even work out because he was afraid that the old him may get sparked and he becomes alive again in all the worst ways. But thankfully, after years of finding himself, he was able to not only get back into the gym, but he also got back into the ring with an exhibition match against Roy Jones Jr. And even though at times you can see Mike starting to shift a little bit back into the old mindset you could also see him holding back he found balance and to be honest his face said it all he looked happy after the fight he was happy because he could separate the two selves of all the amazing things i learned during my training with the Atlanta police i think that officer reed taught me what was probably the most important lesson at that moment, I stopped looking at everyone as though they were out to get me. I stopped believing that I had to put on a front for intimidation. During Academy, I found out what I was capable of. I found out that I had a gear that never was unlocked inside me before. And that the knowledge of it being there was enough. The ability to tap into it was enough. I did not have to make that place inside of my head my new home. Learning when and how to take off the mask led me to becoming the officer and the person I am today. And I hope that whatever mask you're wearing right now, whatever part of yourself that isn't really you, I hope you can take that off as well and breathe just a little bit easier. Thank you all for listening, and until next time, take it easy. Hey, once again, thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes, please do us a favor and subscribe. And after that, give us a five-star review. Also, while you're at it, like the Collected Thoughts Facebook fan page. Or if you're more of an Instagram person, follow me, Keyshawn Harper, on Instagram. Thank you guys all for the love. And until next episode, take it easy.